Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey Pediocast. With your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey Pediocast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and sitting across from me in his hotel room, uh, I've done a few of these in the past. I, I like giving uh, <laughs> listeners the lay of the land, you know, so just so they feel like they're in the room with us. And I've done a couple of uh, hotel episodes before, and, and they're always fun. It's very intimate. It is very intimate. I feel I feel very comfortable here. Well, that voice you're hearing, <laughs> listeners, is uh, is my good buddy Chris Peters, my uh, my ESPN colleague. Now I can officially How say, about which it? is uh, it's about time. Well, I think I had you on the show, man, I think it was during the World Cup of yeah, Hockey. Right, right after And it was US after like the U.S. Out. flamed out and Tortorella yeah. was a mess and the yeah. roster they selected was all over the place. So it's been a, it's been a while. We've, it's been a journey with a lot of twists and turns, but here we are and we're going to be talking about the, uh, the 2019 World Juniors Tournament, which is uh, wrapping up here. We're recording on a sa- uh, Saturday afternoon. We're recording before the gold medal game, so... We're not going to make any super bold like proclamations, and, right. and if, you're, if you're like, why aren't they talking about the winner? Um, we don't know yet. Although we, I guess we could do like a part A, part B, where we get sure, a, yeah, a little, uh, a little Finland version and then yeah. a little uh, U.S. version. But I think it's been a pretty interesting tournament. I mean, there's obviously it's littered with um, names that have been on our radar for a while for really hardcore hockey fans and in NHL circles are going to be popping up over the next couple of years. So it's always a great tournament to kind of familiarize yourself. There's, I don't know how you feel about it because you cover it obviously more intensively, but I do feel a little awkward sometimes where like you see when Max Comtois misses that shootout goal. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get these rabid Canadian fans jumping in <laughs> on his Instagram and sending him death threats and all this wild stuff. And sometimes it's easy. Like we get so carried away, especially here in Canada. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the fact that it's like 18 and 19 year olds who are playing a game, but we get pretty heated, and I guess that's why the tournament is so special, because people do get so emotionally invested into it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, sometimes it can cross a line, but at the same time, I think that the passions are running so deep because this tournament me- means more to other countries now. I mean, it used to really be kind of Canada only, where that was the interest, but now you're seeing coverage from around the world, and, and it's really grown in the U.S., you know, since the U.S. basically got good at the World Juniors, which you know started their first gold was in 2004 
and then they won in 2010, and that really sparked, I think, the interest. And then we, they won again in 2013 and in 2017. So the more consistently the U.S. competes, the more interest there is down south. And but but I think it, in, especially in terms to in regards to Max Comtois, it, it does it does go a little bit too far sometimes. And you know we we learned after the fact that he was playing with a separated shoulder, which right. I mean maybe he shouldn't have even been put in that position yeah. by his coach. Um, to to miss the penalty shot he plays a hard game and i think you know up to that point he was one of their best players he was selected as one of the best players on the team and um you know it's unfortunate to see what happened but i i think that it's kind of indicative of how much people care about this tournament yeah max Conhaw is interesting because um you know he i don't know where the ducks drafted him it wasn't it was outside the first round but i mean he had a really good season in the queue and then obviously he was team canada's captain this year and because of the ducks injuries to start the year he started the the season with guys like Sam Steele and Isaac Lundestrom and they sort of threw them into the deep end and they really struggled and some of the underlying numbers were pretty grotesque and he's had a fascinating season because he played for the Ducks. I believe they sent him down to the AHL for a mm-hmm. while. He went and had a stint back with his uh, major junior team in the queue and then now he's playing in the World Juniors and captaining Team Canada and I, I wonder how many guys have sort of ran that gauntlet of different leagues in this such a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's that's... I mean, that just speaks to the versatility of the player, too, because, you know, when you're put in that situation, I mean, he played really well the first first. I think people got a bit irritated. He was definitely diving around. Oh, yeah, yeah. No question. No question. Like, I mean, like he there was that one play with was it with Clem Costin, I believe, in the in the New Year's Eve game where Clem Costin gave him a little bit of a uh, cross check and he went flying. He went flying. Yeah, he he definitely, you know, like that. But that's his game. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, like that. And. You know, if you're surprised by it, then you haven't watched him play very much because that's kind of how he was last year too. And he he had, you know, he also had a, had a pretty tough hit on on one of Finland's young defensemen that mm-hmm. knocked him out for the rest of the tournament. I mean, he plays the game on the edge, and I think it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I think that also kind of contributed to the the negativity that he 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 was that got thrown his way. But again, this is a guy that was playing through a separated shoulder and. Uh, you know, played played hard and played his heart out for Canada. Yeah. Well, I don't because I don't have the numbers for this, but just kind of anecdotally watching it, it does feel like this tournament has been a bit more lower scoring than in years past. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, you know, there's been a couple of the really uh, one sided blowouts involving Kazakhstan and Denmark, and yesterday's semifinal between Switzerland and Finland got out of hand pretty quickly. But for the most part, it feels like a lot of these games between, especially two of the powerhouses, have been these kind of tightly contested 2-1, 3-2 games. And right. I don't know, I, I, it might just be recency bias, but it does feel like it's weird because the NHL right now, you know, one of the biggest storylines is how scoring's up and we're getting all these crazy scores and crazy stat lines. And it feels like this tournament has been a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, it it, it is weird. Like, I, I think this has been a weird World Juniors in general. Like, you know, we don't really have a clear-cut person that you could say is the MVP. We don't even have a clear-cut team that you could say is the best team. I mean, USA and Finland are playing the gold medal game, but, I mean, you know, up to this point, you know, Sweden and Canada, they had yep. such great games, but they lost the wrong games. Um, you know, goaltending, I think, has been fantastic in this mm-hmm. tournament. That's been a huge storyline. Czech Republic had Lucas Dostal, was really good, um, you know, just didn't get enough help. Uh, Luca Hollenstein had an incredible tournament before he gave up four goals and eight shots against Finland. Yep. Um, you know, where he was hung out to dry. I mean, there's not much he can do about that. Um, but, but he's, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the goaltending has been, well, Pekka, Luka, and yeah, exactly. I mean, Caden Caden Primo, Primo, yep. I mean, like they're all playing really well. And so Mikey DiPietro as mm-hmm. well. And yeah, uh, so, uh, let's, let's cool it with a Mikey. Let's call him Michael. 
he wants to be called Mikey. That's crazy. That's <laughs> I mean, crazy. He, he was, that's what they call him. I don't know so, how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a Mikey Anderson on USA. It's true. Who prefers Mikey. Mikey and so, Joey. Yeah. That's right. Mikey and Joey. Yeah. So I mean, that's just the way it is. It's All so right. funny. So yeah, I just I call guys what they want to be called. Right. So, that's fair. I mean, it yeah, is his name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, everybody that. Yeah, everybody that's close with him calls him Mikey too. So mm. I'm not close with him, but still, whatever. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's what you're implying way, those, there. <laughs> yeah, those guys, those guys are really, really outstanding players. I mean, so it was a great go- year for goaltending. Um, but yeah, you know, I think this U.S. team not as fast, not as skilled as as some of the previous years. Um, I think that you know Jack Hughes being out injured, uh, s- several guys had to miss games um, either due to illness or. Uh, injury. Right. So there's been a lot of different things that have been happening in this tournament that have kind of contributed to being either lower scoring or just weirdly competitive. Because, I mean, you look at Canada's game against Switzerland, and that was an oddly competitive game. Yep. Um, and it's, so I think that but that's another one where I think goaltending comes in. Well, and play. you mentioned, I mean, there hasn't really been that, um, you know, clear cut like brand name MVP performance. Like there's been a lot of great individual performances and I mean, the individual talent there is like uh, yesterday. I was at the game uh, just as a fan in the in the seats watching Finland Switzerland, and you know, you watch what a guy like Kapokako is doing. You're like, okay, I can see why you know skeleton teams are mm-hmm. drooling all over this guy and can't wait to potentially get him yep. into the league. And you know, there's guys like that. I mean, we've seen Jack Hughes and in, in more limited because of sort of where he's on the depth chart and also because of the injury. But there's been young guys who like the future is incredibly bright, but we haven't seen that sort of like tour de force performance where it's like. Okay, this guy is just every time he's on the ice, he's just clearly the best player. Right? Yeah, I mean that that just yeah, it just hasn't happened yet, and I think that part of that is is due to the fact that there are plenty of guys that you know could have been here that are in the NHL, um, although fewer than than in years past. I mean, there weren't too many guys like like a Brady Kachuk probably right. could have owned this tournament mm-hmm. this year. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like that's that's just kind of the way that it goes with 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 this tournament. It ebbs and flows, and and this year, I just think that. We we've seen like Ailey Tolvanen hasn't scored a goal yet, yeah. And I mean he he was the leading. Although scorer. against Canada, he was he was great. And everywhere. he's been yeah, yeah exactly like that's the thing is like some of these guys might not put up points. Quinn Hughes only has two assists, but I mean when yeah. he's on the ice, the U.S. is a better team. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the best performance against Russia, but aside from that, they they own the puck when he's on the ice. So I mean like those those are the kinds of things that we're seeing. And so again. It just, yeah, it's just kind of been a weird year that way where there hasn't been any single one person that stood out. Mm. Okay, I kind of want to go um, sort of team by team here and just talk about the big storylines. Um, sure. Sort of what stuck out to me, and then you can kind of fill in the blanks with Canada. Uh, obviously, starting this discussion yeah, with, with of course. Canada, obviously. Um, you know, it's been a few days now, so it's kind of settled and. But I remember, yeah, that wacky Wednesday there when Sweden lost and then Canada mm-hmm. lost right after. I mean, it was it was uh, it was quite a spectacle. And obviously, I mean, Canada lost in very uh, heartbreaking fashion with a series of events that right. were can only be described as unfortunate. With I mean, what was it? First, Dobson's stick broke on that. We're winning essentially an empty netter. Yeah. Um, well, first they, they gave up the yeah, goal on the, the bounce to tie it in the final minute. Completely fluky, bounce. and then even the goal to win it for Finland went off Cody Glass's stick. So it was You're just right. kind of this series of bounces, and that's I think sort of the beauty of hockey, right? And, right. and that, and that, I think Finland earned that win entirely because, especially as the game went going, I felt like they were really controlling the play. Yeah. And I felt like Canada for the most part. I mean, they were doing a good job. They weren't entirely just parking the bus and sitting back, but I felt like they were pretty content with that lead, and they were like, "Let's just try to grind this out and get into the semifinal." Right. And whenever that's why that cliche of just put the puck on net and see what happens. And Finland was putting the puck on net a lot. And Mikey DiPietro was amazing. Yeah. But eventually you get this weird, wacky bounce that gets by him. And sometimes you need that. And then all of a sudden 
it's an entirely different game and sort of that's right. that was a big takeaway for me where it's i think finland earned it i don't think it was one of those like it's easy to look at those bounces and go like that was a fluke performance and canada should have won but i think finland won it fair and square i think so too and i i mean canada only getting one goal in that game and only two goals over the their last two games of the tournament um was was just kind of strange i mean they have they had the offensive firepower to do better than that um i thought that russia really until the canada game hadn't played that well and then you know canada either i I don't know what happened like i don't know what wasn't clicking maybe it comes down to lineup construction maybe you have the wrong guys with the wrong guys but you know cody glass is, is is an elite setup man nick suzuki is an elite setup man um, you know, there are so many good playmakers on that team. Owen Tippett is a dynamite shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a great tournament, I thought. Uh, but for whatever reason, in those big moments, the scoring went dry. And they had their opportunities to win it. You know, there was also the, the penalty shot that they missed. And, um, and and then, yeah, the broken stick. I mean, I think Noah Dobson puts that in if, it's, yeah. if, it, if it doesn't break. So, and that was a great setup by Cody Glass. It, it, play, again, right? yeah. yeah. And, and, and also a great back check by Cody Glass, mm-hmm. who got there and unfortunately has the puck go off his stick. I think, do you think it's fair to say that Cody Glass, I mean, Owen Tippett, I think, um, you know, got a lot of love and deserved mm-hmm. so. And I thought he had an awesome tournament. I thought Cody Glass was probably Canada's most impactful players in terms of, like, it felt like when he was out on the ice, like, that's when they were getting their most dangerous chances. And it felt like, Whenever he had it, whether he was shooting it, I mean, he had that great goal against uh, Team Russia where he kind of shot it from like a weird Austin Matthews-ish angle. Or the passing, I mean, he looks amazing and he's obviously been doing great things in WHL, but I think if you're like a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, you've got to be just watching that and getting super excited about the idea of guys like him and Eric Brandstrom coming into the fold. Yeah, he stepped up in a big way and I thought Brandstrom was the best defenseman of the preliminary round Um, and then, you know, things went south for Sweden, but... But I think Cody Glass is just such an, a high-end playmaker. His vision is incredible. Um, you know, I think the I, I I've questioned his foot speed at times, um, but to see him on that back check and when he finds that gear, he yeah. he obviously was able to to get up and down the ice well enough. And I think when when he was on the ice, Canada was absolutely moving the puck better because he makes really great decisions with the puck every time he has it um, and sees it so well. And so that that was so huge for them as a talent evaluator and you know someone who. I mean, your job is watching young players and mm-hmm. then figuring out what's going to happen with them. Like we've seen over the years in the recent past that there has been a lot of guys who as prospects had those kind of stride skating concerns that mm-hmm. have eventually figured it out. And it makes sense if you're, you know, a 17, 18 year old and all of a sudden you get drafted by an NHL team and you start playing with, you start getting to practice with the best trainers and you get the best everything it makes sense that you'd potentially work out some of those kinks and improve your, your skating stride. Do you think that's something that I know that was a big concern in the past um, when a guy's skating stride wouldn't be up to snuff? Mm-hmm. It feels like now we could probably, you know, at least relatively speaking, um, iron that out over the years as a prospect develops. Do you think we've gotten to that point where that's less of a concern for teams, which is kind of ironic to say considering the game has gotten so much faster? Yeah, I think it's still a big concern yeah. for teams. I think that the the they'll look for ways that a player that can, can make up for that lack of foot speed. Like, you know, I think one of the things with Dylan Strom, it was always known that he wasn't a great skater, right? but he had such great vision, much, you know, such great vision, great playmaking abilities, good shot. You know, he, he made up for it in other ways. So I think teams will look for that, but, but still, if it's close between a guy who's a good skater right. and one who's not, they're going to take the guy who's the good, the good skater. So I think that that's kind of the, the, 
the the big question mark. So it is a huge factor still. Yeah. And scouts that I've talked to, there'll be guys where they, you know, the the skating is too much of an issue to not even really want to look at that guy. Right. Um, but as we've seen, like it can be ironed out. I think you know John Tavares was a guy that yeah. that really had Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat. Yeah. Um, you know, and Dylan Strom is starting to put things together with Chicago. Um, as well after, you know, kind of getting given up on by, by Arizona. Right. And yeah, so I mean, he is, uh, the, you, I think Cody Glass is one of those guys where it's not a big enough concern where it would make me downgrade him as a prospect because his, his high end skill, um, and, and particularly his vision are going to make him a weapon yeah. at the next level. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, it, it is a bit of a kind of confirmation bias sort of thing where it's like when a guy does improve his skating so much and answer those questions, we kind of latch onto that as proof that it can happen. But then, right. you know, when you have a guy like Alex Nylander just toiling away in the AHL, just getting to, from point A to point B at very slow incremental speeds, it's like, oh, well, you know, there's certain guys that sometimes are just never going to come. And, and, you know, a guy like... I think one of my favorite examples is a Timu Polkinen, mm-hmm. where, I mean, the shot was obviously electric, and his AHL numbers and even overseas were terrific, and everyone's, like, projecting it towards NHL level, and I fell victim to this, too, and then you watch him play, and it's just, like, unfortunately, when the game ramps up just a little bit, like, he can't get his shot off because he's right. not getting to the spots as quickly as he could in the lower levels. Right, yeah, I mean, and now that the NHL is such a rush league, yeah. you, you're almost, you, you know, you have to, and... Like, you know, defensemen might be able to get away with it if they can get make that pass and get the puck up to the forwards. But f- with forwards, they're the ones that have to drive that rush. And, um, yeah, if you can't do that, you, you really can't play. Um, okay, let's get back to Team Canada here. So we got a bit, a bit sidetracked there. Um, I think two of the biggest concerns people used to have about Team Canada was, and this applied to World Juniors, also Olympics, World Championships, everything, where it's like, Sometimes we would get too bogged down with the idea of filling out like a perfect NHL team instead of just getting the most 12 most skilled forwards and six most skilled defensemen. You'd try to like pigeonhole guys to be a third, fourth line grinder, even though there were probably skilled alternatives that were being left behind. And I don't know, I felt like this team, that wasn't really the case. Like it was a pretty skilled team. I think it might have lacked like the super high end talent that's been in the past as good as guys like Tippett and Glass were. But at the same time, I don't think there were like super glaring weaknesses where you'd point to a third, fourth liner and go like, why is this guy even on the team at this point? Right. Yeah. That, that was, yeah. I mean, I think that this has kind of been since like 2015 or so that's kind of Canada has kind of gone away from, from, you know, the Christy Dominicos and uh, like that, you know, the, the uh, Colton Tuberts and uh, you know, the guys that were heavy, heavy players Mm -hmm. that would, would, be physical. I mean, Max Comtois is, but he also can score. Right. And you know, I, I think that they they always want to have that identity where they're where they are tough, but at the same time, they don't. You know, they they want their players to push the pace, and they want you know. I think all their D can move the puck very well. All of their forwards um, had to be. I mean, I think like Morgan Frost and Barrett Hayton were like on their third line yep. for a lot of the tournament, and those are guys that are on the top line at the at, at with their respective teams. And I think that was true for pretty much every everybody. Shane Bowers mm-hmm. was more of a shutdown guy, but he's a top line center at Boston University. So, I mean, I, I think that Canada's philosophy has has shifted dramatically. I don't think there's any reason for them to change that, even though this year didn't go well. I right. think they ran into a couple hot goalies. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think that that's been one of the more positive developments is that Canada has seen, Hey, we don't need to do to, to, 
limit ourselves on purpose because we think it'll make us better defensively. Do you think we're turning a bit of a corner here with uh, with the Canadian goaltending pipeline? Because that was another big concern over the years where you know, you'd know you have all these guys that would be playing and just like the guys up front were so much better and then they'd get done in with goaltending. And obviously in every facet, in every league, um, you know, the difference between winning and losing is going to come down to whether who has the better goalie usually. But it felt like for whatever reason, Canada over the years has historically been behind the curve when you compare them to their counterparts in Finland and Sweden and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I guess with Carter Hart recently and then now Mikey DiPietro, I mean, it's obviously a very small sample, but do you think they're, uh, that's something that, that, that's kind of changing a bit? Because it was always weird that, like, whenever people would ask me, I would never have, like, a very logical, tangible answer for why Canada was worse at developing young goalies than other leagues were. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely turned around. I mean, because I think there was a legit concern. I mean, and I think there's still some concern. If you look at some of the names that, that have played for Team Canada oh, I know, and, and yeah. that, you're just like, wow. Yeah, like Mar- like Mark Vizantine was a, was a, a first-round draft pick. Yeah, he's Zach Fucali, like these guys were, like, held yeah, up. Yeah, as, Zach yeah. Fucali is, is the, in, in the, the ECHL. ECHL. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's... That's kind of where things have gone. And, you know, I'm glad that the CHL got rid of the European goalie ban because I thought it was unnecessarily limiting and also kind of a a slap in the face to their goalies. Like, you got, we don't think you can win the job, so we're just going to ban the European goalies from even coming out here. (laughs) And, And so... I, I thought that that was counterproductive, but at the same time, you, you know, you, we're just going to see guys like Carter Hart, like Mikey D. Pietro, Ian Scott is having a fantastic year in the WHL, and I think there were probably some Maple Leafs fans that were disappointed that he wasn't the starter for mm-hmm. Team Canada, but Mikey D. Pietro would prove, proved everybody right, right with his play. Um, you know, but I, I think that you know they've got uh, Fred Brathwaite as the the national goaltending coach for Canada now. Um, I think he's done a really good job with the teams that he's had. Um, and I think that there's just been more of an emphasis put on goaltending. I mean, like I look at what USA Hockey did with goaltending; they they put together a whole program right. for developing more goaltenders, and it's really starting to take hold. Most of those goalies that have gone through that program, and I think Connor Hellebuck and and John Gibson were among yep. the first to go through that program. Um, they're identifying those goalies sooner; they're getting them high level coaching. Hmm. Um, I think the you know I'm not 100 percent certain what Canada does, what Hockey Canada does with that. But I think that there is clearly improvement happening now. Right. Um, and it's not, I, I think it was an overblown concern to begin with, even though there were, you know, it, it, it just kind of comes in cycles. Right. So you kind of have to wait it out. And those those top talents will eventually come back. Yeah. It's just, yeah, with, with the number of players that you have. It's true. I mean, now we're seeing even guys like, uh, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood, obviously, mm-hmm. is great off to a great NHL star with the Devils. I mean, Connor Ingram's doing well in the AHL. Like, there's a lot of these guys that have been in recent years in this Hockey Canada goaltending bubble, uh, whether they've been backups or starters, are finding much more success, it feels like, now than that generation that came before them. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I, I it's good to see, too, because, I mean, I think it, the competition that is provided by Finland, Sweden, mm. Russia now, Russia's really turning out goalies like crazy. And the United States, I, I think it's all good. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, okay, let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor, and we're going to keep up this conversation and bounce around to some of the other countries. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of websites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust out there. And that's why SeatGeek's the way to go, because they are going to do all the work for you by pulling millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek's going to get you closer to their action for a great value. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever before. They search multiple ticket sites and grade every ticket based on value, helping you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. 
Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with full confidence, knowing that what you're paying for is what you're going to get. That's all why you need to make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and like I've talked about in this podcast numerous times now, I've personally found it by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. I've used it to get con- tickets to concerts, uh, to basketball games, to hockey games, to football games, so on and so forth. They've got everything out there. Um, and best of all, as my listener, not only are you going to have access to all those great tickets, but you're also going to get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to claim that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code PDO today. That's promo code PDO for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Let's do the U.S., all Let's right. Keep it in North America. This I is like your uh, this is your bread and butter. Yeah, this is where I this is where I make my money. This is yes, yes. Um, all that podcasting money. Um, yeah. So what's uh, you, you let's let you dictate this conversation. What do you think have been the biggest storylines with this team? Well, I, I think first off the <laughs> it's it's a tough question. I I think I think the biggest storylines have have been the way that the U S has overcome its lack of depth. Mm. I I think that they don't have the skill or speed that they've had in years past. Um, You know, you look at some of the the players that they've had in recent years, and I just think that this team didn't have as much high end skill and, and, and speed, but they've managed to overcome that. I think Caden Primo taking over the number one job um, is a huge storyline for the U S because he's been stellar Mm -hmm. in every start that he's had here. I think he's been one of the best goalies here and, and has, has totally earned um, the, the, the number one job um, in what was an open competition. Kyle Kaiser has been the best goalie in the OHL, and, and he looked like he might take the, take the reins, and then Primo played well enough to earn, uh, earn the job. Um, and then obviously the Jack Hughes injury has been, you know, the, that, was, that was a big topic. I think that the U.S. was slower without him, uh, less skilled. Mm. He's had, you know, uh, three assists in the tournament so far, so he's he's had a point in every game that he's played in, right? Um, and and has been a huge factor on the power play. Now he's not getting the minutes that I think we expected him to get. I think partially because of you know the fact that he was injured and that the U.S. found the right mix. Uh, but when he's been out there, he's been effective. And then um, I think the emergence of Mikey Anderson as the team's captain and, and essentially their number one defenseman. Um, has has been huge for this team. Quinn Hughes has played really well, but I think Mikey Anderson has has made an even bigger impact in mm-hmm. terms of when he's out there. It seems like, uh, or or when games have been tight, it seems like he comes through with a big play. He started the comeback against Sweden in the dramatic game in the preliminary round where they where they were down four nothing. Um, he he had uh, when they were really struggling against Slovakia. He had the first goal of the game. Um, and then I think against Russia in the semifinals, he was their most reliable defender and, and made so many big plays and, and also had a secondary assist on the, on the game-winning goal. So um, those are kind of the, the, main, the main things. But, I mean, this, this U.S. team has, I think, surprised and impressed me in, in ways I didn't really uh, see coming. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll see how, uh, how that story ends against right. Finland and, and see if they can uh, take the gold medal. But, yeah, no, you're right. I was, I was impressed with particularly – I don't think it was a flawless performance by any means against Russia, but I think they did a great job. And, and you pointed this out on Twitter of, of giving them fits in the transition game where there were so many times where the Russian defensemen were just kind of stopping and starting and being forced to make these kind of low percentage passes out of their own zone. They were either getting intercepted or deflected. And that's clearly Russia wanted to get more of a north-south north transition game going. And the U.S. kind of team speed just really stopped them from doing that. 
Yeah, and, and really good active sticks. I thought the defensemen, like part of the, one of the things that they had is like the defensemen are all pretty big except for Quinn Hughes. They had a lot of size on the back end. And so those long sticks, they were making it harder to get around. Mm-hmm. They were making it, making it harder to get passes through. Um, nothing came easy through the middle of the ice. And as we know, that's, you know, that's where you win, right. where you win the hockey games between the dots. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that they've been really impressive in, in their, their ability to defend as a team. It looks less like USA hockey and a little more like uh, the Finnish style that we mm. used to see where they were, uh, where, where it was total team defense was how they would win games. I yeah. think that's what we're seeing from the U.S. Do you think as a collective we are properly excited, underexcited, or overexcited about Jack Hughes as a, as a prospect? I think properly excited. I mean, <laughs> I, I think at times, you know, it gets overblown. Yeah. Um, People can get a bit carried away. Yeah, like, you know, I, I mean, I think last year he had – you know, the arguably the greatest season ever by an American 16 year old, like at any level. Um, and, and, and broke so many records and just, uh, you know, his speed and his, his ability to play has been incredible this year. He's, I think he's had, you know, some stops and starts and some ups and downs and the injury certainly wasn't, wasn't great. And I think that, you know, causes concern, like, you know, at his size, you know, we heard that about Elias Pettersson too, but you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it can be overblown and, um, but I think the thing that, that really separates Jack from the field is just, I think he personally has this will to be the best. Mm. Um, having spent some time with him and his family, um, I just, I keep coming back to that as just like, there is something about him, this inner drive that is, is unique right. to players that are that good. Um, and I think Capo Caco could, con- could compete with him. Like, I don't think that the gap is so far that he's the automatic number one. I think he's the he's the certainly the most likely to go number one. He would be my pick at number one, mm. but I still think Capocaco is good enough to say, "Hey, I I deserve some consideration too." And all the Finnish players have been saying yeah. saying that too that the that he should go number one. And the funny thing about that is, like, if Jack Hughes sees that, that's probably not good news for Finland because yeah. he he's the kind of guy that would probably. Take that a little, take that a little take personally heart, yeah, and yeah. take it to, to motivate him to play better. Yeah. And yeah, but but he's he is an exceptional talent. There's no question. Very unique, um, incredible skill, and I think the best is yet to come for him. Yeah. I've been very impressed. I mean, just in all over the ice surface, right? Like it like we've seen in the past couple of games, the complete package. He had the goal against the Czech Republic where he made the defensive play and, and forces the turnover and then goes down and sets up I believe it was Noah Cates for a goal. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was a power play goal uh, yesterday against um, Russia where like they're just running the power play through him at this point. Right. And yeah. that's very impressive um, considering, you know, the stage and some of the other names that are involved and the fact that everyone already kind of looks to him as, as the guy that's going to be uh, kind of quarterbacking that. And, and it's obviously the right decision with the skill and sort of how um, they're flinging the puck around. So listen, I love it. I, I, I'm not too worried about um, the fact that there's this bit been perceived like a potential sort of stagnation or stops and starts that you mentioned this season compared to last year. I think when you're playing at that level, um, when you have the year that he has at 16, I, th- I think it's kind of one of those things. It's human nature to just be kind of looking ahead to, yeah the NHL and you're just like, all right, there's like only so much left to really prove here. Like I, I think people are kind of familiar with what I'm capable of at this point, right? Like you're just trying to yeah. stay healthy and trying to get going. Whereas if you're for a guy like Capo Caco, if you're playing overseas in a pro league against grown men, I think 
that sort of challenge to continue dominating because there's only so much a 17, 18 year old can right. do in that league. I think the sort of carrot dangling above him, so to speak, is there as opposed to what for a guy like Jack Hughes, it's like, all right, let's uh, let's get to the next let's stay, next stage of my career. Yeah, and I think that that was one of the things that people wondered about him going back to the NTDP. Like, would he be challenged enough? And I think that he has been challenged enough. The biggest reason that he went back was he knew that he had to get stronger, and they have arguably the best strength and conditioning program in hockey. I mean, the the the, the way that those players come out after at, at, after going through there, right? I mean, and he is much stronger this year than he was last mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, and I think that that's where you know his legs are pretty big. He's he, he's got good drive. You know, his lower body strength is there. He still needs to pick up some upper body strength, but overall, he's getting out of this year what he wanted to get right. out of it. So yeah, but aside from that, yeah, and you know, if he would have gone to the OHL, I don't think he would have been challenged. That's the thing we see that all the time yeah. with these guys in major junior, where it's like, all right, he had 120 points in 75 games. Like, what is he going to do next year? A year stronger, right. a year better? It's like there's, there's there's kind of this point of diminishing returns where it's like you need to be challenged and pushed Correct. to an, another level if you're that highest end of guy. Yeah, I, I agree completely, and yeah. that's why I, I would definitely like to see more 19 year olds. Allowed to play in the uh, the yeah. AHL. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not. I could do a full. That's a whole other that. thing. Jesus. I know. Um, yeah, no. I think that's about it with with, with the U.S. I mean, I don't know. You mentioned Caden Primo. It's a great story. I mean, he was 199th overall, and mm-hmm. now he's had back to back great seasons in the NCAA and carrying Team USA now. And at this point, he might even be better than Carey Price. I don't know based on how we've seen Price <laughs> Price play with his injured hip. I mean, it might be the best option the, the Habs have in net. But no, it, it's been a great story, and it's been cool seeing his dad in the stands. And uh, I'm glad to see that he's doing better. I know there was a, a dark period there with all the potion custom syndrome and stuff, right? And everything like that. So it's good to see that he's uh, that he's back out there and enjoying his son play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that there's a lot of pride, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it has been that has been very cool. And I think Caden is such a you know he's a quiet kid. He's he's very very reserved um but to see the you know he he was he was pretty much i was just reading a story about him yesterday about how he's his dad leaned over to him and said hey you might not get drafted this year (laughs) you know and and just prepare yourself for that and then he gets picked by the habs and has he ever rewarded them with such incredible seasons and the way he played at northeastern last year is a big reason why i'm not surprised that he's playing this well with team usa this year yeah i agree um okay let's uh Let's talk about their uh, their semifinal opponent in Russia. Um, they're a fascinating team because that top Very. that top line, obviously, especially for like I, I think most of uh, the Hockeypedia guest listeners are NHL fans and not necessarily prospect people, and so um, that'll be of more of interest to them. And I think all three of those guys are guys that we're going to be seeing and hearing from to varying degrees. Um, I don't know. Let, 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 let's take them one by one. Um, do you think that? Denisenko stood out from the pack there because it seemed like I, I know our good buddy Corey Prodman has him as the, <laughs> the tournament MVP, which I'm sure uh, I haven't I haven't read the Twitter replies yet, but I'm sure that some people are taking issue with that. Yeah, you know he he is an incredibly skilled player, fast. Um, he's got a bit of a mean streak to him, and I thought that he was you know probably their most dangerous player throughout the tournament. Um, and and so Den- Denisenko to me. Absolutely, like he'll be on my um, my all tournament team ballot, um, but not, he's not my MVP. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you got to be playing in the gold medal game to be the MVP. Mm. But either way, um, you know he's uh, 
he's he, he's he's a super talent, and we saw the goal against USA. Oh, the angle he sniped that from, and he also made the defensive play at the other end too. And he goes all the way down with his speed, and then he just sniped it. And and I think that the tenacity that he plays with is is you know a huge part of his ability to just get under team skin, and then he also can score at will yep. it seems or, or set up you know he's, he's as good a passer as he's a shooter so uh, pretty impressive from him yeah I was, I was a fan of him in the pre-draft process um you know just kind of statistically looking at looking at it, i know some people were a bit concerned with the fact that like he would he was one of those guys that just because of his skill and what you mentioned there he would always pop at these tournaments where mm-hmm. it felt like it would really bring out the best in him and you'd watch him go and you'd go like oh my god this guy's such a dynamic talent he's going to be a game changer but then if you look at the overall package especially it with his club play the numbers themselves weren't necessarily that inspiring and so i don't know he, he he's had kind of a bit of a weird year where he's balanced back and forth between the khl and, and the, the junior league but i think at this age like it's it's so tough to uh, make any serious noise and that's why i wanted to get to vitaly kravtsov because he is a guy who's making legitimate noise playing against grown men in the KHL, which is something we very rarely do. I, I actually, you know, I don't take too many notes for the PDO cast here, but I do have, because I did want to cite this. So he's got 17 points in 33 KHL games. That's eighth all time in age 19 points per game, sandwiched between Artemi Panarin and Vlad Tarasenko, who are uh, two guys that we've heard Pretty of. Good. Pretty so good. So it's good company he's keeping, and, yeah. you know, his developmental curve is, is great. And I think, you know, he didn't necessarily produce as much offensively as you'd expect, but the chances were there. And I actually kind of, like, weirdly liked, like, how pissed off he was getting yeah. especially oh, yeah. in that u.s oh, game yeah. where it's like you could like see he was like wearing it on on his on his sleeve where you're just like i need to score here so badly and you know he was banged up he obviously missed some time and, yep. and he took that uh pretty vicious cross check from dylan sandberg at the end of the yeah. first period and and so you know i'm sure he wasn't 100 percent by any means but i really like what i saw and i think you know rangers fans should be very excited and, and i know it was a bit of a reach people thought like when they mm-hmm. took him at nine because most drop mock drafts had him in the teens but right. i think based on how he's looked and what he's done like he looks like he could be a legitimate game changer yeah yeah i mean and i think he was good here he just had some bad luck yeah. i mean like that that one that he had where he slammed his stick after uh somebody got a stick in front of him and he it was just like a little mini tantrum yeah and, and it's just like you know what that's goal scorers when it's not going in for him that's probably how they all feel and and he's he's yeah i mean i th- I feel like it was bad luck but you know him and dennis Sanko and clem costin it was like if they were on the ice you yeah. were in trouble yeah. you know and at, at all times they could score at any point um puck just didn't bounce for him this time but yeah he's you know his size i think his skill his ability to create with some space his confidence with the puck um, you know, that's what we saw at the end of last season in the KHL, which, you know, I came around to him late, you know, cause I didn't, I was, I was concerned that, you know, we were judging too much on his playoff play, mm-hmm. but I think what, what I saw, you know, in the more video I watched of him and, and certainly here, he, he can be a play driver. Um, yep. I think that that's, that's going to be the biggest thing for him. And I think he was that here, even if the points maybe weren't as, as high end as, as you would expect a player of his talent. He had this play on, um, this is just like a, a random anecdote, but I, I loved it because I haven't really seen anyone do this and I'm not sure if it's possible at the NHL level, but it was on the power play and Clem Costin had it on the half wall and he just kind of like, Ray Ferraro called it as like a, a center in the NBA just backing down on the post and then he like received the pass from Costin like while he was turning around just using, it was like a very Crosby-ish move where he was like using his big butt to yeah. box the defender yeah. out and then received it on his backhand and got a great scoring chance off and I was like, 
I, you know, stuff like that. It's very easy to see why scouts would love him because of the combination of the size and skill that he possesses. There. Yeah, size, skill, creativity, and yeah. the ability to make plays like that. Where once the puck's on his stick, it it, it immediately becomes more dangerous. Right. You know, when when he has it. So yeah, that was, you know, he, he he's a player, no question. So, I usually push back against this idea that Russian players are enigmatic, and it feels like we've kind of gone away from it a bit as a hockey community. And Ray Ferraro referred to Clem Costin yesterday as enigmatic. And in this case, I think I have to agree based on the limited viewings I've seen. Because, yeah. And this might, might just be unfair to Clem Costin because he might just not be that level of player. Like, it just like sometimes we can unfairly view guys like a guy like, I know, like Lars Eller was always like this, where like sometimes if you watch him based on just how he looks in a jersey, you're like, this guy should be one of the best players in the league. And right. he just unfortunately is not that player. It doesn't mean he can't be a very useful effective player you just you need to kind of recalibrate your expectations mm -hmm. with costin like if you squint hard enough and you watch the right play you're like this guy is unstoppable he's the most dominant player on the ice no one can get the puck from him but he's not just like this big lumbering guy either he actually has some skill on a stick but then there's just so many instances where nothing's happening and you're just like i wish I wish he was doing something and using yeah. his frame and his skill more effectively right now. And he's a bit of a passenger sometimes. And I don't want to like, you know, kill the guy for that, but it does feel like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not sure what to make of him as a prospect because I know he was very tantalizing in the pre-draft process. And then the blues got him with that pick they got for Ryan Reeves and the final pick of the first round, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he has the benefit of playing two years now in the AHL, which a lot of these other guys don't at this stage of their career. So I'm right. sure that's great for him developmental wise, but yeah, I, I, he's just one of those guys where I feel like there's something being left on the table where there's more untapped potential there. And I'll be very curious to see whether that materializes at some point. Yeah, I think that's true because, I mean, he's he is he's unique. There's no question about it. Like, I think that he is he's one of those guys that that you see all the tools like I think the tools are there. He has skill. I mean, and he has power in his game. He has a really good shot. Um, I have a feeling like. You know, sometimes the AHL could be too soon for some guys. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. Um, yeah, Chris is yeah. also playing under the weather. Yeah, here. I'm playing a little under the weather here. Sorry, that's why I sound like a like a lifelong smoker. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but the uh, like with him and in particular, what I saw in his pre-draft season uh, was 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 incredible. And then to see kind of where he was, like in the AHL, it's been really hard for him to find his game. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Is because when he was here last year, I think he scored five goals in the tournament and was, you know, was one of the best players on the team, um, even though he wasn't used very much. This year, he's used a lot, and I, 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 I could have, I wanted more from him yeah, as the tournament sure. went on. Um, but yeah, I think that as a as a player, um, it's just going to be. I think he's a guy you have to be patient with because mm -hmm. there's something there. Um, you know, give him a give him a. See see what else he can do at the AHL level. Um, I think he's he's shown improvement this year. Um, hopefully, this tournament is a bit of a confidence booster. Although I don't know that it would be just because you know <laughs> he took that loss was, pretty hard. He did, yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. And he he actually came out and apologized yeah. for his reactions, which I don't think he needed to. I, but, yeah. I agree, he didn't need to. But hey, he, you're a kid, yeah, you're a kid, and you gotta you gotta get through it. But I, I think that. Uh, the Blues still have they have one of the best prospect pools going right now, and I still view him very much as part. Well, of that's that. what I wanted to bring up because I love obviously the way the Blues have drafted over the years, particularly outside the first round, and it feels like they've been uh, you know hoarding talent. And 
there was this wave of guys like I'm still very optimistic about the Robert Thomases and Jordan Kyries of the world and we can add Clem Costin in there. I mean, we haven't seen nearly enough of them to know exactly what they're going to be at the NHL level. But there was that generation before them with the Ivan Barbashevs and obviously mm-hmm. I guess Robbie Fabry's knee injuries it's unfair to evaluate right. him, but even like a Dimitri Askin, I remember like he's similar to yeah. um to Clem Costin here where it was like you see the physical tools and you get super excited and you see he's produced in the lower levels and then they've come up and for whatever reason it has stagnated yeah. quite a bit. And I'm very fascinated to see because they have they're constantly at the top of the prospect leaderboard in terms of whenever Corey Promen or anyone else in the field is doing a list, they're generally have ranked as one of the best systems and they have all these guys I'm excited about and they look great in the world juniors. But I think blues fans would agree. Like we, I'd love to see that start to manifest itself into more NHL success. Right. Soon. Yeah. I mean, and the whole Robert Thomas thing right now is kind of like, mm. you know, yeah. where, where is it, where is it going to go? What are you doing? You know, how much, you know, how, do you think that's a bit of a too, too much too soon situation? Um, Maybe a little bit, but I mean, I, I think he's such a tremendous talent. Yeah. You know, I, I, I fully expect him to be in the NHL this year. I, I'm a huge Jordan Cairo fan. Um, just to, his his skill level and his speed are are, 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 are dynamic. Um, you know, Dominic Bach uh, is starting to put it together yep. in, in Sweden yep. right I'm now. I'm a big fan of him. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's got a lot the of skill. Deutschland dangler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's, uh, he you know, so there, there's a lot there. I, I just think that. You know, like Bill Bill Armstrong, who's now the assistant general manager, who's been in charge of their drafting. I just think that they've stuck to their philosophy, and they haven't let like the Dimitri Askins and guys like that scare them away from from attacking you know skill, trying to find skill in those later rounds. Guys that you know, you know, Kairou is you know a second round pick, and you know guys like that 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 can fit in somewhere yeah. down the line and you can be patient with, um, you know, Robert Thomas felt like it kind of fell into, he fell into their laps yeah. and only got better after he got drafted. Now it's just a matter of, you know, what, what are we going to do next with him? Cause you really gotta, you know, he's such an important prospect. For I sure. just wonder what the development plan is going forward. With and it's him. been such a, such a disastrous season in St. Louis too, right. like especially based on the preseason expectations that it feels like, I don't know. There's been this stink on them, unfortunately, and and right. it's rubbed off on, on on Thomas and all those young guys. But yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still very optimistic. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else with Russia? Should we move on to uh, to the Scandinavian nations? Yeah, I think I, the only other thing that I want to mention about Russia is that uh, Peter Kochkov, who was their goalie, mm. um, I've uh, he was not drafted. He played a lot in the VHL, which is like right. you know like the minor, like the AHL for the the KHL and prospects that play there don't get seen as much as the guys that are sure. playing in the junior leagues. I have little doubt now that he'll be drafted um, based on what he did here. And, you know, when you hear about him, like, why wasn't he drafted last year? And the, the refrain has been, well, we just didn't see him. And so, so that's a guy to keep an eye out for the draft. And then I also wanted to, he'll, he'll be on my all-star ballot, but Alexander Romanov, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Montreal draft pick. Uh, the Habs have been the big winners. Yeah, of, uh, they've they've of done this tournament. They have to feel really good about how their prospects are performing at the at the World Juniors. Um, but uh, Romanov is he's five foot eleven, but he had you know, I think he had seven points going into today, um, and he's nasty. He he plays down low. He he's very hard to play against. He's very solid defensively. I think that he was a guy that I wasn't super high on last year. Right. And I am very much coming around him. I loved his tournament here. I thought it was outstanding for Russia. Yeah, you mentioned the goalie. I, I was surprised because I was actually looking forward to seeing uh, Daniel Tarasov. Me too. Because everyone was obviously super high on him. And mm-hmm. um, he's a Columbus prospect, I believe. Yeah. And, yep. and, and so I wanted to see him. And then 
this other guy was just was he playing out of his mind. And and I know it's kind of a bit of a lazy. I've seen comparisons made to to Bobrovsky, and I, it, it's always a bit lazy. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. Russian goalies. I yeah, get it, exactly. but but I mean, like it's, it was one of those things where like you're not beating him down low. Like like you're gonna have to make the perfect shot. Right, to get yeah. it by him, and and that's all you can really do as a goal. Right, yeah. I mean the the, the goals that that USA scored, one was just it's like kinda, just a bounce that kind of just went yeah, through his legs. Insane yeah. pass that uh, like just timing was there was no way he was going to stop it. Yeah. And the second one was that you know the Jack Hughes made a great little pass and it just it happened hit, to like, slip through him. Yeah, legs, exactly. You know? And it goes in and 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 you know he just he's he's a battler and yeah. So I I, I came away very impressed with him. Yeah, me too. Um. Okay, Finland. Let's do Finland. Yeah. So we've got this golden generation. Absolutely. Which I'm lumping these uh, these young guys that are playing into the guys who are already at the NHL level, and particularly with forwards. And and I know it's not necessarily a unique story that we're we're not we're not uh, breaking ground here, but it is amazing seeing the skill of these guys, especially like how much it's changed for Finland in recent years. And now we've got all these guys. I mean, we're just watching this with Heponiemi and and Kako mm-hmm. and. Um, Tolvanen in and, and and so on and so forth. There's there's just so much skill up front, and they just completely dominated and blew Switzerland out of the water in the semifinal, and and really held their own against Canada as well. And and so it's it's been it's been mightily impressive. And I guess I I think I've wa- probably enjoyed watching Finland play in this tournament more than any other team. Yeah, you know they've they've had a it's been weird because they had a really tough start. I mean they started off with a loss to Sweden. They got completely outplayed by the U.S. too, and in, in the other mm-hmm. their last prelim game. Um, and, and that was, they, they really turned it around and then suddenly, you know, you have that game with, with Canada and it just clicks for you. Um, and that can happen in the world juniors. It can all change really quickly and it, you know, it doesn't matter what you did in the, in the prelims. It matters how you win. You got to win the games that matter. Right. So I think, but, but with what we've seen over the last couple of years is this change in the, the way that they play and that they are going to be the team that. They used to sit back and just wait for their opportunities. Even when they had like Mikhail Granlund, who who was such a skilled player at yep. this level, you know, they still just sat back. Now they want their guys to push the pace, and they have the guys that can do it. And I think, you know, Rasmus Kapari is probably one of the fastest skaters in this tournament. Uh, Capo Kako is just incredibly yep. brilliant. You know, with with the way that the plays that he makes, Tolvanen is once he, when he wants it. He he goes off yeah. and he, he having really, him playing in this tournament is a bit of a cheat code considering like what he's accomplished already. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and yeah, and 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 the fact that there's they're having success without him scoring goals. Yeah. I mean, he's still doing things that make them better. And then Heponiemi, who's now I think tied for the tournament lead, has been uh, you know a real revelation. I mean, he he was so good in Swift Current last year, and he's been amazing in the Liga this year, mm-hmm. um, playing with Kupari that he. You know, I think I think I even expected a little bit more, but but still, he's 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 playing these games, and then you've got Henry Yokiharyu and Erho Vakaninen, and uh, the D is just yep. really solid, and then the goalie, um, and yeah, it's and then Uka Pekka well team, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very I'd say a very complete team. So Kako's the 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 guy I really want to key in on here because. I mean, he's been, he's blown me away. This is one of the first viewings of sort of mm-hmm. sustained viewings that I've had of him. And, you know, we've heard so much about him, but man, he's lived up to um, all the expectations for me. And, and you know, another, uh, another, another stat here, he's got 20 points in 29 Liga games this year, which is uh, seventh all time in points per game for an age 17 guy in the modern era uh, behind Michael Granlund and, and Barkov. Those are the only two guys uh, like 
since like the seventies or whatever. And, and right. so he's ahead of Lion A, Pugliarvi, Kotkaniemi, all those guys. And, right. you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a better player than some of those guys, but, um, what he's doing at this stage, I, I I'm very fascinated to see if Hughes versus Kako is going to become a more heated conversation as we approach the draft, similar to, um, how Line A really shot up the, shot up the rankings, um, in his year. Obviously, he didn't go first overall, but, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere to really blow, blow up, up the list. And, and it feels like Kako has the potential to potentially put, push Hughes. I feel like Hughes had such a big head start to start off this season that I feel like, I don't know if he's going to catch him for, for first overall, but it's at least a conversation, which is a testament to how good he's been. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and, you know, I think he's he's been a guy that over the course of his career uh, or young career, these last couple of years, ha- has been such a driving force for anything that his team does. And, and he can do it at the pro level. He can do it at the world junior level. He did it at the under 18 level last year. Um, I think what he shows is that he's got such a mind for the game. He The assist that he had for uh, Kupari's goal against Switzerland was just an, a dynamic play at the net front where everybody thought he was going to put it to his backhand and shoot it. Yep. Instead, he put it to his backhand and put it back across the crease <laughs> right. to Kupari for a complete empty netter. And and it was just one of those plays where it just shows how clever he is and how, uh, you know, just how skilled he is. That's and like so, the highest level of playmaking when like you're seeing that play manifest itself like two steps before anyone else on the ice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and like to know where the guys are and, right. and the, I think the biggest factor that one of the things that has impressed me most about Kako in this tournament is as soon as they took Ailey Tolvanen away from Kupari and Haponiami, they put him with Kako Tolvanen's game took off. Mm. I mean, it absolutely took off and it took off because he had the faith that if he was going to give the puck to Kako, he was probably going to get yep. it back, where he didn't have that faith with the other guys. And he's like, hey, they're in their second year. They're trying to they, – they feel the pressure to perform too. Kako is more like, hey, I can yep. I can do – I'm just going to play my game. Um, and to see him kind of unlock the best of Tolvanen right. and for Tolvanen to even recognize that was really was really special. But I think that, that – um, he he just sees the ice incredibly well and and he's he's going to be a guy that you know if he if he doesn't push jack for number 1 i mean i think it's a clear cut number 2 at this point and i'd be you know i think if you're if you're drafting second this year you're going to be very happy with what's available to yeah, you yeah it's not a not a terrible consolation no which i mean it seems like that keeps happening in these last few drafts and right i mean that's the best part about you know doing what i do where i i'm watching these prospects is like they're actually they are better. Mm-hmm. They are better than the prospects we've been watching. Right. And uh and and it's great to see. Yeah. Oh, I love it. The game's in a great place. Um I don't know, like Switzerland, Sweden, uh, uh, those are like kind of the two big uh yeah. I guess the Czech Republic as well. We haven't really gotten to them, but I don't know, are, are there any uh other big sort of takeaways from this tournament or well, guys you wanted to highlight? Well, I can rapid fire this a little bit cuz I yeah. I think like I'll, I'll, the Czechs were a huge disappointment, I feel yes. like. Um their defense was not good. Like mm-hmm. they they they, their goaltending was outstanding. Lucas Dostal, who I mentioned earlier, I, I love that kid. I think he's such a competitor. Um, he had no help against the U.S. Um, huge disappointment. Philip Zadina, um, after dominating this tournament last year, was not much of a factor this year. I think he might have been playing hurt. 
Um, and then uh, Martin Netchas as well, not as productive as, as he needed to be for, for the Czechs to have a chance. Um, over in Sweden, huge disappointment to lose in the quarterfinals. I mean, it's uh, they, they continue. Their, they won all their preliminary round games, 48 straight preliminary round games yep. they've won. Still can't do it, but I think Eric Brandstrom was legitimately one of the best players in this tournament up to this point. Um, an incredible talent, unreal skater. He had four goals in the preliminary round um, and just is a dynamic, dynamic talent. Hmm. Get excited about him, Vegas. Guy in, on Sweden that I do want to highlight, Emil Bemstrom. Yeah, what a tournament. Great tournament. And great year overall. Great year overall. League, yeah. And, I mean, another guy that, that, that the Blue Jackets yep. are – watching kind of pop i thought that the thing that i noticed about his game here was not only that he was scoring goals but that he was on pucks yeah. um i i always appreciate the guys that are that just hound pucks the way that he did um and, and he was he, he he was so difficult to play against not just because of his skill but because he was such a you know a hound on the puck yeah and you see i mean i, I you know Back when Sweden was eliminated, at that point he was leading the lead, leading the tournament and like five, with five or six goals or whatever he right. had. But it was like he was also had like twenty five or something shots on goal. And yeah, that's sort of a testament to how frequently he was around the puck and he, in he, dangerous scoring areas. Yeah, and he was around it a lot. And yeah. I think that that was a guy that this is not a Swedish team that had a ton of skill up front that, that had their yeah, usual. Yeah, like those are mostly like the blue line with with Boquist and Brandstrom. And, yeah, Brandstrom and 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 Sandine. Yeah. And yeah, so that that was all. You know that was that was big, but I think that that for the most part, you know that that Swedish team, they'll be back again. Um, but Bemstrom, I mean, what a tournament for him, and and certainly a highlight for for the Swedish team yeah, among I, I among very few. Yeah, yes, unfortunately. Um, and for Switzerland, I guess like it was basically, I mean, what were the two stories? Philip Kurashev and then their coach. And that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, Christian Wallwind, what a what a oh. beauty. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's something else. I, I mean, Philip Kurashev was, uh, was, was dynamite on the power play. I think, you know, he, he didn't make my all-star ballot, even though he was such a, a dynamic goal scorer here, just because most of his damage was done on the power play. And I, I felt like if, if he helped them more at five on five, mm. that they would have been uh, a tougher team. But I, I mean, I still goals a goal, right? So, so he, 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 he was able to, uh, really score some big ones for them over right. the course of the, the tournament. And I thought he was their best, you know, one of their best players, period, just with the way that he skates. And then um, their goalie was good until he wasn't against uh, Finland, uh, Luca Hollenstein, who kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it looks like we've got to help. We might. I'm, I'm all right. Nope, don't need anything. Thank you. I think we're going to keep that in. Yeah, so <laughs> that's... Let's let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. Okay. I'm just let's making sure. Let's keep the show I going. I just want to make sure that we didn't have any, uh, yeah, yeah, any additional no, Nat sound coming. Okay. Yeah. yeah but uh, but yeah. So Kirsch Evans, Hollenstein were were big yeah. time. Yeah. For sure. Um. So what's uh what's next on the docket here? Obviously, you know this tournament's wrapping up. Um. We still got oh, like six months till the draft. Yeah. Like five six months. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, a lot's going to change and and. You know, with big tournaments like the Memorial Cup, obviously, and, and so on and so forth, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, flip flopping in the in the draft rankings, and a lot of guys who are late risers and some mm -hmm. question marks arising. Is there anything you're looking for in in, in these final couple months leading up to the draft, where you're going to really be keying in on it to uh, 
to lock down and solidify your your, your draft board? <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah. There, I mean, there's it's it's amazing. There's still that much time left. It feels like we've we've been through so much already. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the big things for me, you know, I'll be, I'll be heading up to the top prospects game, and you know, that's always a good good way to just kind of see everybody with each other in the CHL. You know, I certainly not gonna it's not gonna affect my rankings too much. Right. But it's just a good way of just kind of gauging where players are against each other, and they also do some on ice testing that I that. I found helpful to seeing how a guy skates, seeing how he works on his edges, how how fast is he with the puck. There are a lot of things that they do that I think are maybe more effective than what gets done at the NHL draft combine. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I like, like that. Like I like, yeah, I like that element. Yeah, exactly. So I like that element of it, and so that'll be big. World Under 18 Championship, you know, very possibly we'll get another look at, at Kako and Hughes. Mm. Um, you know, the Swedes have... Not as many high-end talents for this year's draft, but they'll have some guys for for the following year. Philip Broberg, who is a defenseman here, he'll, he'll he's going to be a, a guy to keep an eye on. But otherwise, it's just kind of you have to just watch as much hockey as you possibly can. Video has helped a lot. Um, I go to a lot of games um, on a regular basis, so there's a lot here. It's going to be a big year for Americans in this draft. It's going to be a big year for the WHL. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that's been the trend that kind of started at the beginning of the season that I don't think has changed. Uh, Jack Hughes' regular team, the the national team uh, development programs under eighteen team, maybe one of the best they've ever had there, um, and they've had a lot of good teams right. over the years. So those are the main things that I'm probably looking at. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully, um, as we get closer to the draft, when uh, we really start getting a better idea how this stuff's going to shake out, and especially when we know who's picking where, we'll hopefully uh, get you back on the show and and uh, kind of go through it and see what's changed. Uh, from yeah. now or early January to then. Sounds good. Yeah, well, thanks. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for being flexible. and Plug some stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll plug some stuff. Right now, you read me on Twitter, for one. <laughs> read me on Twitter? Read me on Twitter. Yeah, okay. Do people say that? Absolutely no, no one says no, that. No one has anyone ever said has that. ever said that. You could follow me on Twitter, though, yeah. at Chris M. Peters, and read your thoughts. And read my thoughts there. 280 but, characters yeah, at a time. Starting, I'll be, I'll be churning out. There hasn't been as much content on ESPN Plus lately for me, but there will be a ton starting in February. We're really pu- pu- pumping out a ton of draft stuff. Uh, my first draft rankings will be out around February. So ESPN Plus is the place to get that. So if you're in the U.S., subscribe to that. And you also get all the video content that comes with that, which is amazing. Includes college hockey. Um, and, uh, yeah, ESPN.com as well. Just there will be some things that aren't on ESPN Plus, too, yeah. for me. So uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, hope, hope you guys check out what we're doing. There's a lot of really good hockey stuff there, including... Now, Dimitri. Yeah, yeah, my work's there as well. So hopefully, yeah, you definitely go check it out. Yeah. ESPN does cover hockey, and we're uh, we're trying to do our best there. And absolutely, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed uh, being part of the team with uh, with you and and Wish and Emily Kaplan and so on and so forth. So hopefully, the good times will keep going. And like I said, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. Make sure you uh, hydrate and, and yeah. kick this bug. And um, hopefully, nothing too crazy happens in the uh, in the gold medal game that we. Uh, you know glossed over because it hasn't happened yet right uh, yeah so uh hopefully that's the case and yeah thanks for listening please uh take a second to rate and review and subscribe and all that on itunes and you know share the work and spread the love and uh we'll be back sometime uh early next week i think uh our good buddy ufe bodine while he's here oh, in vancouver nice. is gonna uh gonna come on the show and make an appearance i'm looking forward to that so chris thanks for taking the time to do this and we'll chat soon hey thanks a lot dimitri Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.